follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Speaking about cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. There's a wonderful quote by Virginia Woolf that uh, I think gets to the heart of what today's episode is about. It says, quote, one cannot think well, love well, sleep well if one has not dined well. Uh, At our cancer support community locations around the nation, we host hundreds of educational programs and special events every year. And regardless of the topic, the conversation inevitably turns to food, health, nutrition, uh, people in treatment, post-treatment, caregivers, family, friends. Everyone wants to know what they should be eating that can make a difference in their lives. Um, What can help them stay strong uh, while facing uh, grueling challenges of cancer treatment or supporting someone in treatment? Are there foods that really help prevent certain kinds of cancer? What, what do they really need to know? So today we're going to explore a whole range of questions about food, cancer, and wellness to help you make the best choices for yourself uh, and your loved ones. We're very lucky to have with us today Colette Heimowitz, Vice President of Nutrition and Education for Atkins Nutritionals and their driving force for nutrition information. Colette is involved in the medical community, attending a variety of events and conferences to keep up with the latest research and meet other experts in the field. Uh, She speaks annually to students at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York on the importance of nutrition. She's collected a library of over 1,500 scientific research studies that demonstrate the impact nutrition has on health issues such as weight loss, weight management, heart disease, cancer, diabetes. Uh, As a nutrition expert, Colette has been on uh, national television shows. Uh, She's been on networks such as NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox, MSNBC. Uh, Prior to that, Colette was the director of nutrition at the Atkins Center for Complementary Medicine. Uh, Prior to her role at the center, Colette directed nutritional departments at several nutrition-oriented medical practices, including World Health Medical Group and Integrative Medicine Center, both in, in New York. Her clinical contributions include creating and directing patient-specific routines and designing modified sports nutrition programs. She has 20 years of experience setting up nutrition departments and physician offices, creating educational materials and dietary plans, as well as providing individual consultations. A very impressive bio, Colette. Welcome to the show. My pleasure to be here. 
Uh, as a reminder to our uh, listeners, the topics discussed today on today's show and all of our shows are not intended to take the place of medical advice. If you have questions about anything discussed uh, on our show today, we want to, uh, want to uh, ensure that you will discuss those issues uh, with your physician. So let me jump into the conversation because uh, we do have a lot to cover today. Um, Colette, our approach to work is quite similar. Everything we do at the cancer support community is supported by data. It's evidence-based, as we like to say, and you uh, likewise based your nutrition recommendations on scientific data. Uh, we're, we're so inundated these days with information about food and health. Um, but, but from a broad standpoint, to get started, Colette, what do we really know about the relationship um, between, let, let's start with the topic of obesity. What do we know about the relationship of being overweight or being obese and cancer? What does the science tell us on that? It's, it's crystal clear. An individual can lower the risk of cancer when body mass index is normal. And, and explain, explain what that is, body mass index, Colette. Being overweight. Say if, if you're 30 pounds or more overweight, your BMI is at a number that you're considered overweight. Okay. You're obese or clinically obese when it's 60 pounds or more. So, so if, if you have more than 30 pounds on your body, with every pound that you add to your body, you're raising the risk of cancer. And, and not to mention uh, other diseases like a greater risk for insulin resistance or metabolic disorders, cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I mean, if you were to look specifically at, at one particular study with colon cancer, for instance, there are studies that exist that say that those that take a higher intake of meat have higher risk of colon cancer. Mm -hmm. However, if you were to adjust that finding and adjust, you know, for normal weight, the relationship ceases to exist. Mm. Um, and and consistently in the literature, it's noted that overweight obesity increases the risk for for cancers of the breast, mm -hmm. postmenopausal, mm -hmm. for the lining of the uterus, for the mm -hmm. colon, for kidney, for the esophagus. So it's not just one kind of cancer, it's all mm -hmm. kinds of cancer. So the key first is to find a program that allows you to meet your weight loss and weight maintenance goals. And that's very that's that's the first line of of defense and offense. And when you talk about these studies, Colette, we're not talking about a small study in a community with 10 people. No, this we're, is we're talking about significant studies conducted by large, reputable institutions, correct? Absolutely, yes. And, yeah. it's, and it, dupl it duplicates in literature. Okay. Um, it's just not one study. These are independent, peer-reviewed studies in journals, um, you know, that in the studies funded by the NIH or the Cancer Society or American Heart Association. Got it, got it, got it. Um, we know, uh, Colette, that, that mothers around the world, and our own included, um, you know, chase their kids around to make them eat their vegetables. Eat your vegetables, we hear often. And Michelle Obama, we know, keeps reminding us to eat vegetables as well. And they have that beautiful garden in the White House, which is right down the block from where I sit right now. Um, I know you feel very strongly about the importance of vegetables. What, what do we know about consuming vegetables? What do we know about protective uh, the protective qualities uh, for disease, uh, specifically cancer, but, but, you know, forgive the pun, but what are vegetables bringing to the table, Colette? Yes. Unquestionably, all vegetables 
and fruits supply the phytochemicals and antioxidants that are protective for all diseases, especially cancer. Um, I'm one that believes, and there is, you know, the antioxidant score research that shows you that gram for gram vegetables yield a much higher antioxidant score than fruits do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you want to avoid a high glycemic load, and, and we'll talk about that. In yeah, a let's talk long. about that. But just bre- just just break down you know break down some of the scientific terms sure. that we're okay, using so antioxidants, things like that, so our so our listeners can really right. get their their head around what we're talking about here. All right. So when we're sick, there's uh, and we live in a toxic environment, and we're overweight. You know, that's a constant insult to the body. And it creates free radicals. Free radicals are things that attack healthy cells. Now, now especially if you're at high risk of cancer or if you're fighting off cancer, your body's already trying to fight off cells that are out of hand. You know what I mean? So you don't want to kill healthy cells because the healthy cells are the things that are going to protect you. So you want to reverse free radical pathology. And the way to do that is by eating foods with a high antioxidant score, the things that have phytochemicals is what the scientists call it, but really what they are are antioxidants. But, you know, colorful vegetables have it, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E. Um, Those are the kind of things that help you... uh, protect yourselves and reverse the free radical pathology. Okay. So you're talking about really using food as a tool to fight Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the cleaner yeah. the food, the fresher the food, the better. Um, that's why local vegetables are best to be consumed. Homegrown vegetables are best to be consumed because from the time you pick a vegetable to the time it gets to your table, some of those nutrients are starting to degrade and starting to be destroyed, especially mm-hmm. if they're shipped in on trucks and they're, yes. you know, even shipped overseas when you get exotic uh, kinds of foods that you're yes. eating. So you want local, you mm-hmm. want fresh, and then to polish the stone if you can get organic even better because now you're not taking in really healthy foods that have chemicals on them. You know, okay. so you, you just want to avoid as much of an insult to the body as possible to give the body the best chance to survive. It's like peeling away layers of an onion. You know, the, yeah. more, the more layers of insults that you could peel away, the better chance the body has for the best outcome. So, Colette, we've only got a couple quick minutes here until our first break, but let me ask you about, um, uh, you know, it's summer, fruits and vegetables everywhere, it seems. Um, tell me about, we, we hear sometimes about superfoods or superfruits, like, uh, like, like blueberries. Um, do fruits have the same protective qualities as vegetables? How do we look at fruits and vegetables on balance? Yes, and we haven't spoke about the glycemic load of fruits. You want to avoid high-sugar content foods. Mm-hmm. And we'll go into that in more detail in the yes. next segment. But right now, the best choices of fruits to meet that standard are berries. They're, they don't raise the blood sugar too much. Mm-hmm. And so the blackberries, the blueberries, the raspberries, the strawberries um, – are the best fruits. Uh, melons are have a lower glycemic impact. A half a grapefruit, a half an orange, a half mm. a green apple, a half a pear. Uh, once you start getting into the exotic fruits like pineapple and 
papaya mm-hmm. and and in watermelon, you know, those mm-hmm. are the kinds of things that have a little higher glycemic impact, mm-hmm. and that's what you want to avoid. Or if you have them, have very small portions okay. so you don't have that spike in blood sugar. So those tropical, those tropical right. so fruits after that we vegetables, talked about. which has the best antioxidant yield, the next thing is low glycemic fruits, such fruits. as berries. Berries, great, great. I think it's, uh, it's great advice. I like that we're, you know, drilling down and getting some specific recommendations for folks. This is frankly speaking about cancer. Uh, we're talking today about food, uh, nutrition, and really uh, using food and nutrition as a tool uh, to fight cancer. And this is really a way that patients and, and, and lo- uh, caregivers, loved ones, can be empowered, can really take some control in a situation where you often feel out of control, really take some control over their lives and over the cancer experience. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We will be right back with Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the AZI Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Celgene and Azi. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Today we're exploring a range of questions about food, cancer, and wellness to help you make informed decisions for yourself and your loved ones. With us today is Colette Heimowitz, Vice President of Nutrition and Education for Atkins Nutritionals. Colette is uh, very much involved in the medical community and attends events and conferences to keep up with the latest research and meet other experts in the field. Uh, as a nutrition expert, Colette has been featured on many national television networks uh, on, on the topic of nutrition. Uh, the French playwright Moliere wrote that uh, one should eat to live, not live to eat. Uh, I'm not sure I can personally agree with that statement, <laughs> 100%, uh, as I believe food is one of, uh, one of life's uh, joys. Um, but there do seem to be cases where what you eat can, can literally help to save your life and uh, making the right choices and being, uh, being educated. Um, Colette, I read a very interesting article about um, a ketogenic diet um, and its po- positive impact on, uh, there have been studies on epilepsy, on brain cancer. Uh, again, let's, I want to get away from the scientific terms. Um, explain for our listeners what exactly is a ketogenic diet and what do we know about its impact on health and disease? Sure. You need to know a little bit about physiology, and I'm going to give it, put it in very simple terms. Very good. We have two sources of energy that we burn. It's, we either burn fat for energy or we, burn, or we burn carbohydrates for energy. When carbohydrates are sufficiently restricted, the body makes the switch to fat burning, and you burn predominantly fat for energy. Now, the byproduct of fat burning are ketones. It's a natural, benign dietary process that happens when you fast overnight. You don't have to be on a ketogenic diet to produce ketones. It just happens naturally when there isn't sufficient calories available. But when you chronically restrict the amount of carbs that you eat, you could stay in a fat-burning metabolism. Now, if you have extra weight on you, that's where you want to be. Um, Now, the ketone byproduct of fat burning, science has discovered, will will feed the brain better, will starve tumor cells, will better your chance of uh, survival, and will lower your risk of recurrence of cancer. So we're finding that a fat metabolism which is how uh, the human race has survived, really, if you look at paleolithic diets, um, creates these ketones, and the brain actually works better. So there's some research that exists that show that it can control seizures, that it can slow the advancement of Alzheimer's, it could lower the risk of Alzheimer's. Um, Now, the old ketogenic diet was very, 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 very low in uh, carbohydrates, very low in protein, very low in calories. It was so restricted, it was hard to live with. You know, people couldn't really comply. But since the advancement of some research and the one that really did some uh, groundbreaking research was Dr. Kossoff, Eric Kossoff at um, John Hopkins Hospital, he used a modified version of Atkins, which is not as restricted as the original ketogenic diet, and found that even on a modified Atkins diet where you're eating vegetables 
and you don't have to restrict calories, he could have the same positive impact of controlling epilepsy in children and in adults. Um, so the key factor that makes it so successful are those byproducts of fat burning, which are ketones. So in a ketogenic diet, um, it, it has promises for for you know not only disease prevention but uh, reversal of disease and and cancer is is right up there as far as um, you know shrinking tumors and slowing progression and lowering risk of recurrence. And when you talk Colette about uh, about kind of low carb or bad carbs or uh, what what does that mean? What are uh, just give our listeners some examples of the kinds of foods we're talking about? Well, if you're looking for the ketogenic diet where where the body's predominantly burning fat for fuel, it's pretty safe to say that if you're consuming 50 to 70 grams or less a day, you could um, you could depend on being on a ketogenic diet, you know, fat burning diet. Uh, if you were to follow the USDA food guide pyramid, you're taking in about 200 to 300 grams of carbohydrate a day. So it, it's a big swing, um, uh, and that's why I, I believe vegetables are so important in that setting uh, because the vegetables give you the antioxidants and give you the fiber on our lowest in carbohydrate and the lowest in glycemic impact because what you want to do is avoid the spikes in blood sugar because if you have a spike in blood sugar, it's going to throw you back into sugar burning. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what you don't want if you're controlling a disease process. You want to stay in fat burning. Are there any side side effects to the uh, ketogenic diet? Any things that, that folks need to be uh, aware of? Any dangers to it? Well, if it's it's well tolerated. It's just hard to stick to. But if you're highly motivated by controlling seizures and avoid that medications aren't yeah. controlling, yeah. and you're reversing tumors and you're trying to prevent recurrence of cancers, you're highly motivated. You could do it. Um, the the only risk that I see are diabetics that are on blood sugar lowering medication because mm-hmm. then the blood sugar could get too low. Mm-hmm. And you don't the the need for blood sugar lowering medication diminishes dramatically and quickly on these type of diets. So you have to work very closely with your doctor to adjust your medication. And then there's that adaptation phase. The first few days it takes about four right. days for the body to make a switch from sugar burning to fat burning. So you seem a little out of sorts the first couple of days, but um, yeah. you know, as long as you drink adequate water, you salt your foods to taste. It, it the switch it could be you know the side effects of the switch could be minimized, but there's right. no risk. I mean, there are studies up to two years of people staying ketogenic in peer review journals, independent studies funded by the American Heart Association, NIH, um, that followed people on very low carb for up to two years, and absolutely no risk factors have surfaced. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the risk factor for heart disease, diabetes, um, reversing uh, risk of mm-hmm. cancer and survival are actually better on a low carb diet. Well, let, so let, let's talk about let's talk for a minute about fat then, and 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 you know does it does this have does this diet have the potential to you know push people into consuming too many bad fats? I mean, talk talk just give us a little bit of education, Colette, about good fats, bad fats, polysaturated, monosaturated, animal fats, and you know what do we know about the connection between you know fats and and and, and cancer cells? 
and cancer cell function. And, um, you know, when you're looking on balance at a ketogenic diet, what kind of, you know, good fat should people sure. be looking for? Well, first, you, you have to put fat intake in the context of carbohydrate intake. Mm-hmm. Fat will pose no risk. I'm talking about natural fat, not, uh, you know, hydrogenated manufactured fats. I'm talking about natural fats that nature produces mm-hmm. in, you know, oils from nuts or seeds or butters and um, the kinds of fats that we find in animal protein. So the natural fats pose no risk when carbs are low enough that you're burning the fat for fuel. Mm-hmm. The deadliest combination is when you have high carb and high fat because now mm-hmm. you're not burning the fat for fuel. Mm-hmm. The fat you're consuming is laying down in your arteries. Now, the only unhealthy, as long as carbs are low enough, the only unhealthy fat is trans fats um, when the fat molecule is altered and hydrogenated and and then it lays down in the arteries. The body cannot... Um, process it properly. So, but natural fats coming from, you know, eggs or or dairy or some meat and fish and even, mm-hmm. um, you know, vegetarian sources like nuts and seeds and their butters and olive oil, mm-hmm. the great monounsaturated fats are mm-hmm. fantastic. In fact, it's the those kinds of fats that help you absorb the antioxidants that we spoke about earlier because you will not absorb antioxidants probably if if the diet is too low in fat. So you need some healthy fats in the diet. Keep the balance. And if carbs are low enough, the fat could be high because you're burning it. Okay. Um, Colette, before we go to our break here in a couple minutes, um, can you talk, you mentioned a little bit earlier organic food. What does the science tell us about uh, the value of um, organic food versus, you know, you non-organic know, the, food. What do we know about that? The science doesn't tell us much about that because okay. it's really hard because there's so many variables and feeding mm-hmm. studies. Mm-hmm. But it's common sense. I mean, if you're trying to peel away the insults to the body and you're trying to reverse a disease process, and we know that chemicals... Um, will create free radical pathology, then it just makes, it's just common sense to mm-hmm. try to avoid um, the chemicals. So if, if people can't have access to organic foods or they um, can't afford it because it's so much more expensive, right? So, you know, I just tell them just wash your vegetables really well, you know, mm-hmm. like even with a brush, a vegetable brush. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and just uh, quickly, Colette, there's a lot of, obviously, controversy discussion about genetically modified foods. Is there any science we can point to on that? What do we know about that? It's, it's mixed. It really is. Mm-hmm. From what I know, it's hard to get uh, pure, you know, pure GMO-free foods because of the mm-hmm. way we farm in the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't really rotate our soils. There's runoff. There's, uh, you know... The, it's difficult uh, yeah. to do, um, and and really the it, genetically modified uh, foods were first introduced so we could use less chemicals on our, mm-hmm. our vegetables mm-hmm. because the the organisms were becoming more and more resistant to the pesticides and the yeah. herbicides, and we had to use stronger and stronger and stronger chemicals on our foods. Yeah. So to create a food that 
you know, that's uh, resistant that the – it's, I believe yeah. it's a little bit better for one, us. Yeah. Really one to, one to keep an it's eye a, on. Yeah, it's a controversial topic, yeah. though, and there's more and I'm research sure, that needs to be done. Yeah, and I'm sure we're going to be hearing more, yeah. more uh, about it. We're going to go to a quick break here. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking about uh, nutrition and cancer. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts, and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the AZI Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part today by Genentech and Morphotech. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today I'm joined by Colette Heimowitz, Vice President of Nutrition and Education for Atkins Nutritionals. Together we're exploring many of the issues and questions surrounding food and cancer. Uh, before we continue, I want to remind our listeners that anything you hear uh, on the show today shouldn't replace your medical treatment and advice from your physician. So if you have questions about something you hear on the show or uh, other questions related to nutrition and food, uh, we encourage you to talk to your um, medical team about that to help you create a program that's, uh, uh, that's right for you. And I know that there are uh, many, many qualified nutritionists out there working in hospitals and cancer centers um, that, uh, that I'm sure will, uh, will be available to help. Um, uh, Colette, I know our listeners are anxious to hear your thoughts about uh, nutrition, specifically while facing the challenges of cancer treatment and the drastic changes that cancer can bring to your body and to your daily uh, routines. Uh, pa- patients in treatment are sometimes advised to, to fuel their bodies by uh, increasing their protein, uh, their, their, their calorie 
uh, intake, um, you know, in, in, again, a time that's challenging and your body's changing. You know, how do you recommend when someone's diagnosed with cancer, how do you recommend that they think about their nutritional uh, intake and, and keep some balance in that in the midst of treatment especially? Yeah, I, I totally agree with the recommendation of increasing their protein. Protein is the gives you the amino acids that are the building blocks of cells. And when cells are breaking down in any disease process in the body, you need to replenish uh, and make healthy cells. So excellent sources of protein are, are always the way to go. I mean, you could even do it as a vegetarian as long as you're getting adequate protein. Uh, but the proteins that have Fish is an excellent source a couple of times a week, not to get too much mercury. Uh, poultry are excellent choices. Um, even some meat, you know, if it's if it's hormone-free meat, nitrate-free meat, you know, just try to avoid the, the, the processed meats because of the nitrates and the added sugars. You know, just eat clean um, and try not to char meats. But getting adequate protein is absolutely important in those circumstances. And talk a little bit more, Colette. You, you, you sort of mentioned, you know, there are great sources of protein uh, for vegetarians. Uh-huh. Um, just talk, talk a little bit more, um, you know, about that, keeping that good balanced diet if you're a vegetarian and you're dealing with a, a cancer diagnosis. Or, frankly, some folks who, you know, may want to choose to go in that direction after they've been diagnosed with cancer. Sure. Uh, for vegetarians, nuts, seeds, and their butters are a great source of protein, carbohydrates, and healthy fats. Uh, you have tofu. You have, if you're a lacto-ovo vegetarian, um, you could have eggs and Greek yogurt for the friendly bacteria. Um, if you're uh, just strictly vegan, then you go with the beans and complement it with a little bit of whole grain to get the full amino acid uh, complements. So you get the, you know, all 11 essential amino acids. So there's ways to do it. There's even ways to do it if you choose a lower carb version to get to your ideal weight and that you want to um, have the benefits, the health benefits of a low-carbohydrate diet. So there's even ways to do it as a vegetarian as long as you count your carbs. Now, now we know, we know, Colette, that some patients really suffer from, you know, a lack of appetite, uh, nausea, yeah. things like that um, during cancer treatment, but they need, it, they need the energy they need and the strength energy. that only, you know, food and nutrition um, can provide. What can they do? Any tips for folks dealing with some of those issues? Yeah, small, tiny, frequent meals is the best way to go. Like mm-hmm. eat every two hours, a little bit. Ounce of protein and some cooked vegetables that, you know, doesn't require a whole lot of cheating, easier to digest, stir-fried things. You know, you could make a, a big meal and just eat tiny bits every two hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I think that's, I think that's, uh, that's good advice and for folks. And as long uh, as it folks. has the healthy fats and the yeah. proteins and the vegetables for antioxidants and fibers, uh, you're getting everything you need. You don't, you know, you don't need the heavy, starchy stuff. What you do need are healthy fats and proteins and and lots of vegetables. And um, we also hear sometimes that that perhaps it's good to maybe stay away from spicy foods if you're having some sure. stomach oh, problems. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's where fat comes in handy because when you can't spice it up, fat makes food taste really good. So yeah. putting olive oil on your food to get the monounsaturated fats is a good choice. 
we know that one side effect of chemotherapy can be mouth sores, which can be, you know, which can certainly make eating anything, anything, you know, substantive really difficult or or painful. We know, I mean, you know, we hear folks say, oh, try some applesauce or some plain or vanilla yogurt, things like that that Mm -hmm. seem like no-brainers. But, you know, can those things offer enough nutrition, other suggestions when dealing with those kinds of side effects? Yeah, this the same advice that I would give, you know, with healthy proteins, healthy fats, and lots of vegetables, keep it cooked and put it in a blender. Do the same thing, but eat blended foods. And then it just blends what you're eating for that one feeding uh, mm-hmm. because, because then it'll, it'll oxidize more quickly once it's blended. So cook that meal that we just described for those that would like an appetite and that they're going to eat every two hours. And then use that food and then every two-hour feeding, blend it on the spot and drink your food. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I'm imagining I'm going to hear the same recommendations from you if folks are dealing with constipation, which we know can be a side effect of treatment, can cause abdominal pain, cramps, could be a kind of, 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 of bowel obstruction. I'm, I'm thinking that uh, that we're talking about some similar Similar yeah. advice on that. Well, when somebody's under chemotherapy, I, I have them work closely with their doctor, but but usually doctors won't object to friendly bacteria because sometimes what you're lacking is the good bacteria uh, in the intestine uh, to help you go to the bathroom. So an acidophilus supplement usually um, uh, oncologists don't object to. Um, and then inulin is an excellent fiber uh, like a benefiber, um, mm-hmm. the psyllium sometimes could make the stool too hard. So if somebody has diarrhea, psyllium is an excellent fiber source. But if if somebody's constipated and that going, then um, a benefiber is better because it adds water to the intestine. So a good uh, acidophilus, or, or you know, they can get that through plain Greek yogurt because once you put sugar in yogurt, it kills all the friendly bacteria. Uh, so it has to be plain, um, you know, if people don't like taking pills. But uh, friendly bacteria and added fiber help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to go back for a minute um, to the ketogenic diet we were talking about in the earlier um, in the earlier segment. Uh, there was an interview uh, on CBS News with Dr. Gary Yellen, a professor of neurobiology at, at Harvard. He was quoted as saying, uh, diets in general are hard. Mm-hmm. And this diet, ketogenic diet, is really hard. So mm-hmm. finding a pharmacological uh, substitute for this would make a lot of people really happy. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you know, we always want a pill, don't we, in our, in our country. We always want a pill for a solution. But how yeah. difficult is it to, to, uh, you know, to, to follow that diet? You talked about maybe the early days or early couple of weeks maybe a little bit more uh, difficult. But how, how difficult would you say it is to, to, to follow it or get on track with it? And I tell you, that it, kind depend, of... it depends how motivated you are. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it's a powerful approach. And once you get over the first few days, you feel better, your energy is better, you're more alert, your appetite isn't totally under out of control, you know, where you're craving sweets that, you know, you're not supposed to have and junk food, and all of a sudden you're satiated. Um, you're, if you have weight to lose, you're losing weight. If you don't have weight to lose, you're pushing calories enough that you can maintain your weight, but you're feeling great. So... Once you have the motivation, then I think it's easier. It depends how motivated you are. And, you know, they used 
ketogenic diets to control diabetes before there were insulin. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then when there is insulin came along, you know, d- doctors love to make things easier for the patients to comply. You know, they don't have the time to talk to them a couple of times a week, keep them motivated, tell them what to eat. You know, they have 15 minutes in the office with their patient. They don't have time for that. So, of course, they want a pill to make it easier for them. Uh, but I cannot imagine uh, a pill that will regulate blood sugar, regulate insulin, you know, avoid spikes in blood sugar, at the same time produce enough ketones that it's feeding the brain and it's, you know, starving cancer cells because the the high glycemic load of certain carbohydrates have been shown to feed cancer cells. So, you know, that's what cancer feeds off of, sugar. So you want to keep the blood sugar normal. You don't want those spikes in blood sugar from high, very high glycemic carbohydrate foods. So I, I, we have a long way to go before there's a pill. And <laughs> if you're treating something right now, then the diet is the way to go. Yeah. And just uh, before we go to our break here, just can you just explain again? I just want to make sure we're all following the science here. Explain again what it, what that means a glycemic load and how the, you know, how that is measured in foods and what are some of the foods that have higher versus lower glycemic load. Sure. And you need to understand a little bit about physiology and by, you know, and what's going yeah. on in the body, but yeah. carbohydrates are the only food that raises blood sugar. Uh Fat doesn't at all. Protein mm-hmm. does minimally, but that's only, you know, when there's conversion going on when there's not enough carbohydrates. Uh, so carbohydrates are foods like pasta and breads and pretzels and potatoes, and those are the only kind of foods that raise blood sugar. Mm-hmm. When blood sugar goes up, the body will burn some for energy, and what it doesn't need for energy stores the rest as fat. And seeing that we're not we're pretty sedentary, most of us, um, you know, we're not elite athletes. We're not going out and hunting and we're not farmers, <laughs> killing our prey yeah. <laughs> or running from mammoths anymore uh, or riding our bicycles to the rice paddies. But um, it, what what isn't used for energy is stored as fat. So the key to success on, on a lower-carbohydrate program is supply enough calories mm-hmm. from fat and protein and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And cut back on carbohydrate foods that raise blood sugar. So you don't give the fuel that a tumor needs to grow. And sugar is the mm-hmm. thing that, uh, uh, that will it. feed it. Now, if you stay on this program, the body has a marvelous way of maintaining a normal blood sugar, which is what mm-hmm. you want. It converts your stored fat into the blood sugar that's met. There's a certain level of blood sugar that's mandatory that we have to have for the brain right. and for the and that will happen naturally. You convert protein to some blood sugar. It will convert the liver will convert uh, some energy to blood sugar. The yeah. fat stores will convert it to blood sugar. So your blood sugar opinions, will options, but mm-hmm. answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and, and Wellness. Good. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities, Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. 
This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Millennium and Amgen. Uh, I'm Kim Tebaldo. Today we're talking about food, nutrition, and cancer. Our guest is Colette Heimowitz. Colette is the Vice President of Nutrition and Education for Atkins Nutritionals, and they're a driving force for nutrition information. Um, I want to spend our remaining few minutes together, Colette, talking about caregivers. Caregivers provide an invaluable service to those with cancer, uh, offering support on numerous levels. They're making meals, they're going to doctor's appointments, they're picking up prescriptions, helping their loved one cope with the emotions of a cancer diagnosis, dealing with treatment. Uh, They devote a substantial amount of time and energy to their loved ones, and they often do not take the time to focus on their own needs. Even seasoned caregivers uh, can find themselves overwhelmed. Cervantes once wrote that all sorrows are less with bread, uh, with, with food, with a meal. There's no doubt we turn to food in times of crisis and high stress. But what are, what are some foods that can help caregivers maintain their stamina and, and, and alertness? And, you know, how do we start to let these caregivers know that they need to take care of themselves in order to take care of their loved ones? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, stress plays a profound effect on our health. And when we're under stress and we're producing the stress hormone cortisol, uh, we produce insulin, which that's the hormone that, you know, is 
provoked when we're under stress or our blood sugars are too high, and that creates inflammation in the body. So caregivers need um, a higher protein intake to, to meet their nutritional needs when they're under that kind of stress. They, they need to stay away from high sugar foods because that will create even more high blood sugar, more insulin, more inflammation in the body, and it's just exacerbating the situation. So even for caregivers, I would still recommend adequate protein, healthy fats, lots of vegetables, some fruits, you know, like berries, Greek yogurt, seeds and nuts. Um, and then because you could have fat, go for a rack of lamb for your comfort food. Go for a shrimp skewers, <laughs> you know, go for uh, salmon on a salad with blue cheese dressing, you know, the, I mean, those are the kinds of things that could feed the body and comfort um, the food, especially slow cooking stews. If, if uh, you know, you make your food in a slow cooker because mm-hmm. you don't have time to cook and then you yeah. just bring Tupperware of whatever, you know, stew you made, whether it's a beef stew or a poultry stew or a fish stew, those, that's great foods because you're getting, you're getting your vegetables, you're getting your healthy fats, you're getting your protein, and you, you don't have to, you know, sit around and cook and prepare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I know, um, Colette, that, you know, these caregivers are on the run. Some of the things that you've described seem like a heavy, you know, seem like maybe a heavy lift um, and perhaps inaccessible or, you know, kind of, you know, out of reach. So if we're talking about being on the run, instead of grabbing food from fast food restaurants, you know, that fast food chain that's in the lobby of the of the hotel, of the hospital, which oftentimes surprises me, or, you know, running into the gift shop, grabbing some chips, grabbing some pretzels. Um, what, are, what are some options, like you talked about, you know, the Tupperware, the Ziplocs, that, you know, what are some great options folks can kind of easily throw into a Ziploc, throw into their purse and say, oh, when I'm hungry, I've got a healthy source with me. I don't have to run down to that gift shop and grab the pretzels. Yeah, I mean, nuts and, uh, are a great resource. and But even in restaurants, they'll there's always a protein. I always eat around the carbs when I go to yes. restaurants. Even if I have to buy a sandwich, I'll eat what's inside the sandwich and just take off the top piece of bread. And so like, more, a grilled chi- like a grilled chicken breast sandwich, yeah, for example. Exactly. Uh-huh. And then just, you know, use the bottom piece of the bread for the shelf to eat what's inside. Um, and And more and more places are trying to be healthy. I mean, even McDonald's offers a salad with chicken. And and Paul Newman dressing, which is healthy. Yeah. So you could always, if you look, you know, when you go to buy a car, and all of a sudden you didn't notice a certain make, and now when you're thinking about it, you see that make all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing with food. If you have in your mind what your body needs, and what your body needs right now is is protein first. Healthy fats and keep you satisfied. Lots mm-hmm. of vegetables, some fruits, some nuts, mm-hmm. Greek yogurt. I mean, those are the kind of foods that are going to feed you. You'll find them even in fast food mm-hmm. restaurants like McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, Colette, the, the old saying that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, does that hold up? Is that true? Yeah, totally. It, it revs up the the body. It steadies the blood sugar. It controls the appetite where you don't overcompensate for the next meal. Um, there's research that shows that people who eat breakfast have a, a better chance of having a normal weight as they age. Um, it, 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 there's just too many reasons not to, to skip <laughs> breakfast. Yeah. And, and we talk about this this uh, balanced diet 
helping with energy, but is it also going to help with sleep? When you're not on a roller coaster ride with your blood sugar all day, mm. absolutely. If you're meeting your calorie requirements uh, and not storing fat, absolutely. It's just when you're on the very low fat, very low calorie diets and you're starving, that you're restless at night, when your blood sugar is constantly going up and then plummeting low and going up and plummeting low, you're, you know, you have a fitful kind of sleep because you don't have steady blood sugar. When you're meeting your nutritional requirements with adequate protein to replenish yourself with the adequate amino acids, um, you'll sleep better at night, especially with the tryptophan in, in, in the animal sources of protein. Yeah, absolutely. You will sleep better at night, and you'll have a better mood. Ketone. I was going to say, yeah. Does it? I imagine it also impacts your emotion. You're talking about that even evenness throughout the day. It's going to help with your coping, help with your emotions. Is that is that right? That's right. I mean, one of the most common comments that I hear is that you know I'm I'm in a better mood. I mean, after you get over that first week, you know that you're adjusting. <laughs> after yeah. that, you're just you're in a better mood because you're not constantly insulting the body with with high sugar uh, options. Yeah, yeah. This hour has has, uh, truly uh, flown by. I feel like we're just getting started. So many more questions. Uh, Colette, I'm really so grateful for you coming on the show today and talking about food, nutrition, wellness, cancer, so that our listeners can really make the best choice, uh, the the best choices for themselves and and their families uh, and their loved ones. I I do want to remind folks listening today that the information discussed is not a substitute for medical treatment, nor is any of the information that we discuss on any of our shows a a, a substitute for medical treatment. We're bringing on experts and enlightening folks about uh, about the latest science uh, in cancer and in all of these supportive areas, including nutrition, uh, exercise, et cetera. So uh, if you've got some questions about something you hear on the show, definitely talk to your physician about creating the best plan uh, for you through your, uh, through your cancer treatment and, uh, uh, and beyond. I want to mention that uh, we've got more than 50 centers around the United States, cancer support community affiliates, that are providing support groups, education, programs on nutrition, exercise, stress reduction. These programs are free of charge for people with all cancers at any stage of illness for their family members, caregivers, and loved ones. Uh, we also have a, uh, a helpline. If you don't have one of our centers in your backyard or you'd like to call our helpline, you can visit us at 888-793-9355. That's 888 888- Seven nine three nine three five five. You can also visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. We've got a whole host of uh, educational materials. We've got online support groups. We've got discussion boards. You can find a list of all of our uh, centers around the country uh, at that cancersupportcommunity.org um, uh, website. So, again, um, this has just been such a great conversation, Colette. I thank you again uh, for joining us. We hope you'll come back. Will you? Oh, I had fun. Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Well, we, we uh, enjoyed having you. A very vibrant discussion. Uh, I'm Kim Tebaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tebaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. support